Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 428, the 2023 NWTF Convention and Sports Show Preview Show. And I am your co-host, and the guy who has a smile a mile wide on his face. And I'm your co-host and the guy who got to play a probably less than 1% of the calls that were at Unicoi. <laughs> 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 but I got to play some. I did. Way less than 1% of the calls that were Unicoi. Yeah. So I got to play the calls that Andy purchased at Unicoi because I got to stay with Andy for an evening after he got back from Unicoi. And I got to say, if what I got to play at your house, was it four calls maybe, was any indication of how that show went for you, I'm betting that's why you're smiling. That is why I have a great big old smile on my face and... I'm going to say this because I don't want to say a whole lot because we are going to do a 
Unicoi recap show, and we were planning on doing it this week, but we felt like, you know, the timing of the upcoming NWTF convention, we needed to go ahead and, and run this episode or this interview with Pete yeah. Mueller with for you guys. But I will say this, and then I'm going to drop it until next week. That is, if you want to immerse yourself in turkey hunting and mm. people who are just as rabid about turkey hunting as you guys who are listening to the show right now are, that's the show you got to go to. And, you know, I'm not saying don't go to NWTF. I'm just saying you've got to make Unicoi happen. And so we're going to dive really deep into Unicoi next week in our recap show. But yeah, there was one call that was right there in front of your face. And I'm kind of surprised you didn't sniff that one out, but it was in a box. And you never opened the box to see if there was anything in it. So, what the heck, man? You could have told me to open the box. Oh no, 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 no. Mm-mm. So I'll run that call for you next week, along with several of the other calls that I picked up. And for a guy who had a goal of going to Unicoi <laughs> and not buying a turkey call, I can say that I failed. Failed miserably. I failed. So when I walked in, the the breakfast room table was full of turkey calls and books. So <laughs> <laughs> you failed, sir. But I think you made a good decision on failure there. Well, listen, and we talk about goals in this week's interview with Pete Mueller, but I'm all about setting lofty goals that are achievable. But if you fail, it's okay yeah. because you would have exceeded what you originally thought you could do. Yeah. I originally thought that I would go and just completely blow my budget in Unicoi and spend, you know, thousands of dollars. I'm trying to save money right now. That's good for me. That's bad for the call makers. Sorry, guys. Love you, but sorry. And that's bad for the turkeys, I hope, because, (laughs) you know, I plan to spend that money that I saved by not buying every turkey call I ran. I plan to use that to whack some turkeys this year, but I did fail. <laughs> I did fail, and well, I'm just going to leave it I'm looking forward to, to hearing about the full experience next week. I got you know a brief recap from you in person, but I know it'll be more in-depth, and I'll get to actually hear some interviews from Unicoi yeah. next week, so that'll be neat. And yes, this week we got a cool show. It, you know, Typically, I feel like this show is all about the convention, but I'd say this one's mostly about kind of the status of the NWTF, past goals, future goals, and then about the convention. So yeah. it's pretty cool. I think, you know, Pete's joined us four years in a row now. I yeah, mean, he I comes so. on about every year in January. We do this show, unique, different, and interesting. And for anybody who is going to NWTF, thinking about going to the NWTF, or might have an inkling to ever go to NWTF, this show should give you a good outline of what to expect. Absolutely. What do you think? You want to jump in and do it? Let's do it. All right. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are excited to tell you we have tonight on the phone with us Pete Mueller with the NWTF. Pete is our, I'm going to say old friend, even though he's not old. Pete's our longtime friend with NWTF, and we're going to talk a little bit about what the NWTF has got going on, and there's a, seem like, let's see, we're in about the middle of January. It seems like there's something coming up. The NWTF is doing some sort of event. Uh, I think Pete may remind us of that. So, Pete, sir, how are you today? And 
Uh, you tell me that you're talking to me from SHOT Show, and so I want to hear a, just a little bit about that as well, and I also want to hear about the results of your most recent hunting trip, no matter what that was. Is that a, sure. is that a mouthful for you to do? Take two breaths and cover it all. Yeah, you know, re- reel me back in if, if I get too far off topic. You know, first off, I'll say thanks to you guys for having me on. Uh, I do not mind being called old friend. Uh, it wasn't too long back. I remember my son, who's now eight years old, uh, we were all sitting in the living room and he picked up a, a white feather. I guess it had come out of a pillow or something, um, but he held it up to the side of my head and said, Daddy, look, this fell out of your hair. Um, so, you know, I, I feel I feel old when stuff like that happens. But, um uh, yes, I am here in Las Vegas for SHOT Show. Uh, we are exhibiting this week uh, for the gathering. I know we'll get more to that later. Uh, reeling back to uh, your question about what my last hunt was like, uh, I had a few good hunts, but my most recent one was uh, I finally decided to hunt an island off the coast of South Carolina. Uh, I tried to do that over uh, over the holiday break for Christmas and New Year's, and it's an island that um, you can only get to by boat. It's only uh, available for archery hunting, and um, you can stay there. It's it's uh, it's state game lands, um, and you can stay there and actually camp on the property for about three days. And I, I've been planning this for years. I finally decided to make it happen. I'd scoped it out earlier in the year, just kind of figured out where I needed to be. Um, called off some days from work and ended up motoring out there. It was a beautiful day getting out there. And I got all the way to the beach that I was going to park my boat on. And as I went to lift the motor up out of the water, I noticed that the aluminum transom uh, on my John boat was starting to tear. Mm. And it's, it's just an old boat. So at that point, I realized I probably should take my sweet time getting back to shore um, and making sure that I got out while I I knew that I had daylight. Now, I knew the, the weather was going to be dicey over the next couple of days, but I was willing to stick it out beforehand. But when I saw what was going on with the boat, I, I ended up making the slow drive back to the, the boat ramp. It took me about two and a half hours, but I did not come home empty-handed. I did end up uh, hitting one of the recreational oyster beds on the way back. Oh. If you have your, your saltwater license down there, you can go pick. I want to say it was... Uh, two bushels a person. Nice. Um, so I went and picked some oysters and uh, and ended up at least having something. So the deer hunt was completely shot, but uh, I still got some spoils for freezer. Yeah, I don't, Cameron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe we've ever had anybody on the show whose most recent hunt was an oyster hunt. Also, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting hunt. It doesn't take much skill involved. It's mainly just wait for low tide and then then pick the ones that that uh, that look like they'd be healthy enough for you. There you go. If I saw the bag limit was two bushels of oysters, I would I would have no clue how many oysters that entails. To be honest, see that's why you take a bushel basket with you. There you go. Fill up both of those baskets. A five gallon drum full is not a bushel. That's actually probably a little bit less than a bushel, a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> yep. nice. So, but uh, but I spent a lot of time down on the coast during the warmer months uh, catching blue crabs and growing up. Um, you know, the limit was uh, I want to say it was a bushel of blue crabs. So, get the bushel basket. So you just know that that's that's uh, that's a decent amount. Um, but uh, but I ended up shucking them all over the next day. Steamed them, ended up throwing some on the smoker, and got some really nice stuff to be able to cook with later on. So, mm. so that yeah, was fun. Absolutely. And in the end, uh, two bushels of oysters equaled about 1.7 pounds of, of clean shelled oysters. 
So wow. nice. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I I don't know I don't know that I've ever like had anyone actually go. I've had oysters obviously at restaurants and I love them, but I bet hand picking them and cooking them yourself is pretty incredible. It's it, it's it's something else just to do to to enjoy that outdoor lifestyle. So yeah, that's um, neat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we got the NWTF. This is y'all's 50th anniversary. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And I have, and I told you before the show that I'd bring this up, I have the magazine in front of me. The I guess it's the most recent issue, the one that had Tom Kelly and Fox Haas on the front, or Fox Hayes. And it's really cool cover, by the way. Yeah. That's, those are two pretty yeah, decent a, names. A neat story, neat story put together by Daniel. Yeah. Daniel over there at Mossy Oak, obviously, and, and kind of a neat hunt. Uh, they've been... I think they they shared that out back when it happened, but kind of, kind of just a neat neat story, you know, and and definitely something that that your turkey nuts will eat up. So kind yeah. of a cool thing that we got to be able to to share that out through the magazine. Yeah. And before we get the goals, I see here are one year goals, and I was looking through the previous magazine, um, and it was talking about the goals that were achieved for the past decade. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe we talk about that a little bit with the save the habitat, save the hunt goal. So will the NWTF be setting new goals for like the next decade or are we just doing one year at a time now? So I, I think as a way of not not trying to look too far down the road to where we overlook this monument, uh, this monumental occasion of our 50th yeah. is we're trying to for this year set goals that that are achievable now still very very lofty goals yeah um, very but then but then reevaluate things and and there's already the planning going on behind the scenes uh for the next set of goals but what how do we figure out how to set goals that that maybe not are 10 years but still set in within a time frame that looks towards the future and the immediate needs and uh, of, of the turkey, of the industry, save the habitat, save the hunt. Yes, that was a 10-year initiative. Uh, mm-hmm. All of the goals were actually reached by the end of year eight. But for trying to conserve or enhance 4 million acres, recruit 1.5 million hunters, and open access to 500,000 acres, we ended up conserving or enhancing more than 5.2 million acres. Uh, we ended up uh, recruiting or uh, 1.5 million new or lapsed hunters, you know, bringing them back to the fold or helping to introduce new people. And then we also opened access to more than 700,000 acres. So, you know, uh, again, I think when Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt was designed, it was looking at what's going on across the landscape. And it, it you know, obviously habitat is something that's still going away and, and, and yeah. degrading uh, at, a, at a rapid pace. So what can we do at that point, it was birds were birds were across the landscape. I mean, and they're still across the landscape, but but it was we've we've got them in all these places. Now we have to try to make sure that the the habitat is still suitable for them to continue maintain. And then it was also looking at 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 turkey hunting numbers and looking at hunters as a whole and also as a percent of the population and figuring out like you know we've got to do something to make sure that that this this lifestyle that we love continues on and so we have to make sure that there's people to carry on that tradition but we're also trying to train them the best way possible because you know there there's a lot of ways to learn to hunt these days i I will say that you know if you go through a class that's put on by the nwtf you're probably going to learn a whole lot more than if you just you know go start searching on youtube or something like that and you're going to learn a lot more 
about the history and things like that. So I think that that was a, something that we recognized it was important. And then, then obviously the, the part about opening uh, acres, I mean, people are losing places to hunt and, and that's one of the main reasons that people get out of uh, their outdoor pursuits. So doing what we could to try to open up additional uh, acreage for access for hunting was something that was important. So again, we achieved all those and moving into the 50th for just a single year, again, these, these are pretty lofty goals. So um, I know you said you looked at those in, in the magazine, but you know, these are things that are just for the calendar year. So as of January 1, all the way till December 31st, we are looking to achieve 250,000 members, um, uh, adult members for the NWTF. And this is something that when you look at the overall population of people that hunt turkey, very few of them are actually members of the NWTF. And, you know, I've heard everything from you know, people think that, that there's no need for being a member anymore, you know, and this was years ago, but it was, you know, there's turkeys everywhere, you know, the the work of the NWTF is done kind of thing. Well, I think what we've seen is that, you know, the, the work will never be, the work will never be done. Yeah. Um, it's something where there's always going to be a need. And so I think if you are somebody that enjoys that resource, enjoys pursuing that resource, you know, it'd be who of you to to help put that that minimal amount, that $35 at least towards helping to make sure that that resource lives on. So so the amount of what we can do, we sit at more than 180,000 adult members right now, more than 200,000 uh, members when you lump in uh, youth members as well. But but the amount, the additional amount of work that we can do if we reach that 250,000 really does help exponentially increase you know the, the amount of work that's able to be done when we're able to leverage our funds at such a high level. Um, second goal is raise an additional, and this is just for this year, but raise an additional 500,000 for wild turkey research. Uh, obviously last year we put more than 360,000 towards wild turkey research. And that was just at the national level. There were additional projects that we've been announcing left and right, uh, from across the country. Even I think one of the most recent ones was the Buckeye state ended up, uh, allocating more than $50,000 just at the state level to help carry out research in the state. So, Lots of great things going on there, um, but that has to continue, and it has to be done in the right way. Uh, so yes. continuing to work with the state agencies, continuing to be a part of the Wild Turkey uh, Symposium, working with the technical committee to make sure that we're not just putting money on research for the sake of putting money on research, but we're doing it on a landscape level, uh, a national level, to figure out which are ones that do help us actually advance turkey science. Do state chapters, the like banquets and the, you know, fundraising they do, is that where that money comes from for the turkey research? Yeah. So, so when you, when you attend uh, a local banquet, um, there is money that goes from that to national to help carry out larger things. And then there is also portions of that that go to the state super fund. So you are yeah. helping to fund work on the ground in your own state. Uh, and that's where the state state boards come into play. Um, but cool. we even had instances uh, this past year where um, the the uh, state board for the state of Indiana decided to help fund research down in Tennessee. It was a big project that was going to be beneficial yeah. to not only Tennessee, but but to their own state as well. So they pulled money together with the state of Tennessee to help fund that project. Yeah, um, that's cool. So, so, so again, there's a lot of things going on. So it was, it was, I think seven projects, more than 360,000 last year. And then that was, there were still, I want to say about a half a dozen more that were just done at the state level. Um, and then, you know, again, we're looking at opening up requests for proposals here soon 
and we're trying to raise that five hundred thousand um, yeah. dollars to where we can allocate that directly towards additional research. You know, and and to date, I want to say um, we're at north of eight point five million put towards research. You know, it's it's something where research has always been important to us and continuing to do that, especially when we recognize that there are population declines and pockets of that, that that need to be addressed. It's figuring out what are areas of work in that sort of research. Yeah. And you mentioned the Wild Turkey Symposium, which occurred in North Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. Will there be a print? of that symposium as there has been in the past that like people could purchase or find online? I I would assume so. I know that we reported on a lot of the information that came out of that right afterwards. Um, but that is something that I would have to check with uh, conservation folks okay. just to see. if I've, I've read through a lot of the past ones. I really, I like those. They're usually full of really good, you know, research and information that yeah. you may not find otherwise. Sure. Uh, and I do know that dates have already been set, or at least the planning is already in place for the 2025 symposium. It's going to be co-hosted by uh, Kansas, Missouri. So planning is already underway for that one. Going to be in Kansas City? I believe so, yes. It seems like a good location if Kansas and Missouri are co-hosting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to happen any, anywhere else just may not make sense. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, we talked about the 250,000 adult members raising money for research, half a million dollars. We're wanting to, in one single year, positively impact one million acres. And this would this would break any records for anything that we've ever done before, but we do believe it's possible. But that's that's something that really, in addition to continuing research, it's, we have to make sure that we're doing what we can. So we're, we're involved at a landscape level and in, in projects, working with partners, uh, again, across the nation to try to make sure that the work that we're doing is benefiting wildlife. It's also helping to provide cleaner water. You know, and, and so it has a trickle down effect to people that they, they may not care just about turkeys, but the work we're doing helps turkeys. It helps, you know, elk, deer, you know, other, other wildlife that's, that's in that particular landscape. But, but it's also something that, you know, if we can relate the work that we're doing to people outside, maybe that will help get them to better understand the role that hunters play. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, I think it's just important for members to know where their their dollars are going. Um, yeah. So, doing more work like that, I think will will really end up helping. Um, and and this is kind of also rolled into that. When you say positively impact, I assume is that talking about doing maybe like controlled burns you know, timber thinnings to open up the canopy, like restoring grasslands. Is that just anything that positively impacts the acreage to where it's more usable slash available to turkeys? Yes. And and, and yeah. again, it's the, the, the mission of the, the NWTF has, is, and will continue to be uh, the conservation of the wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage. So any of the conservation work that we're doing is through the lens of, is this a landscape that turkeys are in and can they benefit from the work that we're doing? But yes, it may be, uh, it may be helping to clear out fuels and things like that, that should a wildfire end up ripping through the area that, that it helps cut down on the severity of things, but it's also helping. So it's helping to preserve that landscape for turkeys, but it may end up being to restore grasslands or work on on uh, watersheds, um, helping to reduce invasive that allow the the birds in certain areas to be able to 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 have better roots. Um, you know, certain parts of the country, it could be uh, working on mm-hmm. prescribed burns that end up helping to to provide better nest brood habitat, things like that. So, you know, it's it's not going to be the same treatment for 
for every single area the same sort of positive impact, but it's going to all be a positive impact with the scope of it being how does this impact things. Yeah, cool. And um, what's, the, what's the next goal? Next goal uh, is dedicating $1 million for uh, education and outreach programs. And again, you know, I, I don't think that there was a number tied to recruiting people. But again, this kind of ties back to the idea that while, you know, there's there's the argument about are hunters truly shrinking or not as far as numbers, what's undeniable is that the percent of the population is is shrinking. And so so making sure that there is the the support at the ballot box, the understanding of the work that we do to where, you know, we're able to to continue this tradition for years to come, it's we have to make sure that people understand, you know, again, the impact of hunting, whether it's something that they decide to pick up and do. So, but but I think that it's very important, especially with with what we do. It's it's helping to share the the safe ethical hunting practices and making sure that people are learning to hunt the right way. Um, and and with a with a good compass, I guess it's probably one of the easier ways to put it. But putting on those events that that do really help provide education beyond just you know here's how you pull the trigger, but here's what it really means to be to be a sportsman. So what I mean, like what is a hunting heritage program? Like uh, outreach to kids, you know, mentorship programs. Like what is what are those? This could be anything from you know, field to fork type events that, that have a hunting component as a part of them. It mm-hmm. could end up being, you know, a, a learn to fish or, or something, so, something that shares that idea about the outdoors that, that teaches people how to do it and do it the right way and gives them the confidence to be able to go back out and do it on their own if they choose to do that. Or it's something where it teaches them the, the full conservation principles. Um, I know one thing that we've been piloting out of South Carolina headquarters for a number of years has been taking people through a program that's almost a year long. And it's it's where in the springtime they learn over the course of a weekend, they learn everything about the biology of turkey can fit into that coursework. Uh, they learn about the landscapes they live in. They learn about the, you know, the, the life cycle of the birds. And then on the tail end of that or the following week, then they end up going on a hunt. And then, you know, later on in the year, they'll come out and they'll do that entire process to learn about dove. And then they'll do that entire process about deer. And they'll do that entire process about ducks. And so what we've done is we've now taken them through an entire year of programming. But they've also done that entire year with a larger group to where not only have they learned these things together, but they've also learned it with members of their family. They've learned it with other families to where they've now been surrounded by a support group. Because that's actually, you know, one of the toughest things to do is you know, Cameron, you, you learn how to hunt by, let's say you just go on and you find some stuff and you get out and you go do it on your own. And that might be something that, that you enjoy doing and you may go out on your own a few times, but it's, it's something where if you have people that are helping to support you or going, Hey, let's, let's go and let's go do this. Let's go turkey hunting together. Uh, and, and I'll personally say, I, I think turkey hunting is, it's probably the best outdoor pursuit that's done in a group because you can be a part of that hunt, no matter who's actually pulling the trigger. I mean, everybody can, can go share in that. But I think it's something where if you surround people with, with other people that have learned to do that or the other people that also have found in these outdoors, it's something that will help continue to have them be supporters and licensed buyers for years to come instead of the person that may try it one time, but then there's never anybody that they have to go with. It's, it's like teaching a kid uh, how to use a BB gun at, at a, uh, at let's say like a, a BB gun range or something like that at the state fair. But if that kid's parents 
don't really want them to have a baby gun or they're not going to let them have one when they get home, you know, is, are you really doing any good to, to help teach that kid? You may have sparked yeah. some kind of interest, but it still relies on, on other people and other people helping to support them. So uh, again, I think it's, if you look at the overall scope of these programs, they're they're not all going to be the same depending on the audience that we're reaching. But again, the the end goal is to teach people that that may have an interest in finding their own food, or it's they're wanting to spend more time in the outdoors and learn ways to to extend you know their their outdoor their outdoor passions. And may and maybe it's through hunting, but it's it's finding ways to tailor these things to different audiences in a way that that not only teaches them just about how to pull a trigger, but what it means to be a hunter, what it means to to be a conservation, and and how to do things in in a safe, ethical way. Yeah. Do do y'all like? I don't know. Does anybody even look at this of like how many acres are developed each year? Like, what's the actual huntable landscape, and how much that could support people hunting? I guess is the way I'm thinking. I think uh, again, if you look at the total. And, and, and again, I, I probably couldn't give a, a, a rough number. I think the number that they used to say is 6,000 6, acres of, I want to say 6,000 acres of habitat is lost per day. And I can't remember if that was due yeah. to, if that was just due to being degraded or whether it was due to development or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, I think the argument isn't so much how many people can the landscape support. It's you have to get education out there about the good that's behind hunting if you want to be able to have this support and in a place where it really matters, which is as people are trying to take away rights for hunting, gun ownership, and everything else beyond that, it's how do you make sure that people understand that this is something that truly is necessary? And this is something that it's not just something that people go do because they like to shoot animals for fun. This is something that it's a way of life. It's something people are doing to put meat in their freezers and, and that things do really do, they, they really do help with conservation in the end. Um, because I think, again, when you look at the overall population and the percent of people that actually hunt now, it's getting smaller and smaller by the, and so the, making I sure. I guess in the U.S. or is that globally? In the U.S. Uh, okay. But it's got to be so, global. I mean, you would think it'd be globally as well. Well, definitely globally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know how many um, hunting programs are in China, but probably not many. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what they what they hunt over there. But but again, it's um how, how can we put education towards or how can we put funding towards education that that does help move the needle on positively impacting the 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 scope or how people view hunting. Um and and I'll say I I think and I've said this over the years is that for the most part people view people view things like turkey hunting as being more relatable. Um, you know, obviously there, there are ways to score a bird, um, but it's something that, you know, due to eating turkey every Thanksgiving, people understand that that is, that's, that, that's the, that, that's a typical table fare. You move to other species and as soon as you get into anything that's more trophy hunting, the support goes down considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's figuring out what are the, what are the key points that the general public understands and what are ways that you support for hunting as a whole beyond. And again, this isn't just about creating hunters or recruiting people to hunting, but it's how can we education and outreach programs help shift the overall perception of what hunting is. Yeah. And I think to do that, you have to, you have to help put people through something that gives them a taste of what it is to where they, they truly understand. Yeah. yeah. I also, 
you know, like I saw Oregon, was it last year had some bill proposed to ban all hunting? You know, I don't it's know. It's back. Oh, is it still way. going? Yeah, it's back under a different name, but it's back. Oh, oh nice. it was, that, that particular legislation, if, if I remember correctly, was going to even push for the end of agriculture, like, you yep. know, cattle yeah, raising. Cow yep. that, so, so, so <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, it, it basically was anything that where, where animals are treated, you know, unfairly in mm-hmm. somebody's mind, I guess. Um, but it's, it, when, when you look at stuff like that, that's, that's something that it, it's, it's going to be a reality at a bigger at a bigger scope. I mean, we also dealt yeah. with out of California, you know, legislation that came out and was signed pretty quickly that made it to where even groups like the NWTF were not allowed to to have anything that was targeted towards kids. Although what we do isn't us marketing, trying to get a kid to go buy a firearm, but it's how do we make sure that we're, we're marketing programs that help teach kids how to safely and ethically hunt or safely handle firearms that that was made illegal for a short time with very very hefty fines um so luckily that was fixed but there's a lot of that stuff out there that 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 will continue to happen um it's a it's interesting to me because of the way the united states is kind of segmented where i could see kind of pacific northwest you know california maybe even some in the northeast where it would be very advantageous to get more hunters in the fold you know because they need help legislatively whereas like southeast it's just personally you know i've lost more hunting opportunity because of over hunting of the animals around here than i have legislative changes you know because like animals or or people hunting them so it's just it's an interesting thing uh, dynamic because it has huge advantages and disadvantages on both sides i guess Sure. Well, I think it's all about how you look at it. You could either look at it as you lost hunting opportunities, or you could look at it as you've gotten to share in more hunting opportunities with other people. Because if you determine that those birds were just for you and yourself, that would be, I mean, the, the resource belongs to everybody, right? Yeah. But I mean, in Georgia, if you lose three weeks of hunting, then that you lost hunting opportunity. But it, you know, yeah. it does help to have a larger base, um, for sure, as far as legislative goes. But I, I will say if they tried to take hunting from the southern states, I think there'd be a much larger fight than some other states. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I, I think that is undeniable. Uh, again, I I think you know the 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 debate will rage on as to whether there's too many hunters on the land versus you know are are there other issues happening with the bird as a whole. But I think what what is undeniable is that again the the overall percentage of people that enjoy the pursuit. And so, you know, if we we look at things through that lens and how we can at least relate the work that comes from hunters to people. And that's part of how we're trying to 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 share out that that work of where dollars are going, um, you know, from the members uh the the member uh, dues that help fund all the work that we do if we can help showcase that in a way that helps share out the benefits that come towards helping all wildlife again with the main focus of turkey it can help um, provide more resilient communities uh, especially in places like the west where places are devastated by wildfire and the work that uh, ends up helping to reduce the severity of those things or we're helping to again clear out invasives on water corridors which helps increase the the quantity and the quality of water. I mean, if, if you enjoy a, a cold beer and you know that more good water is coming through because of the work of hunters, hey, you might you might decide to advocate for them, you know, and, and then also helping to provide more recreational opportunities across the landscape 
not just for hunters, but but helping to preserve that outdoor that outdoor landscape for anybody. You know, again, if you you like to go hike and you know that hunters are helping to preserve your area, they end up being more on their side. In the yeah. so so I'm we've taken a little bit of a tangent just off of you know that one million dollars for education and outreach. Yeah, but you got I two more think, goals, I think. Yeah, there there are there are still a couple more. Um, <laughs> you know, the the next step of really what we're trying to do is uh, we want to raise five million dollars to invest um, in the IT infrastructure and um, you know help invest in our people. And when I say invest in our people, that's not just staff, but that's investing in the people that really help make the organization happen. So it starts with the IT infrastructure. Currently, the NWTF is working off severely outdated programs. Uh, severely outdated databases. And by updating that IT infrastructure, it makes things so much easier for everybody, whether it's staff, volunteers, you know, the coordinators across the country that are helping to host education and outreach, um, you know, any of the people that have ever been involved in the NTF, and I still will stand by this, that we have the most dedicated volunteer base of of any of the outdoor, uh, I want to say probably north of 10,000 strong people that really get together at the committee levels, at coordinator levels, helping to put on those outreach events. But we make things easier for them to host their events, to report their events, to to help share the information about things that they have coming down the pipeline. Um, just the the work of everybody at the NDTF get. Um, and it's something where again, you know, if we don't do it now, we just get further and further behind. And then the final goal is to raise five million dollars to build towards a fifty million dollar endowment. And I think. If we didn't set this up, we would be setting ourselves up for failure should another pandemic happen. And obviously, um, a lot of industries saw the effects of what happens when the entire world comes to a halt. And when you're dealing with um, a fundraising source that at that time was primarily based off of in-person fundraising, it's something that really, really we had to rethink how we how we operate as a business um, and how we, we end up, um, you know, being able to continue for the next 50 years. And so um, helping to safeguard the mission work, the work that everybody that has done all the way up to this point, helping to safeguard that and give ourselves some breathing room. Again, we are in incredibly financial stand uh, standing right now as far as um, being able to, to carry out work for you to come but it's something where if we we do build that endowment we know that things are going to be that much more solid yeah, yeah think, those are uh, that's several goals <laughs> yeah to, again for for looking at it just on a year um positively impacting a million acres when over 10 years we did just north of 5.2 um conserved during its takers that's uh that's a pretty lofty goal um yeah. but you know we have i will stand by this and, and i'll say it numerous times but we have the most, uh, just the the most dedicated, passionate volunteer base. The people that that really do help make the work happen. We have those as part of the NTF, and, and they they are willing to do whatever they can this bird and, and for this lifestyle that we enjoy. And so it's, uh, I believe that anything is possible when you unleash that that group of again uh, the those dedicated volunteers all across the country. It's those boots on the ground that really make things. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, I think that that's a pretty lofty goal for one year. And, you know, you you to put that in perspective and and, you know, just take an average over the last decade and you were at 500,000 acres, 520,000 acres as an average. And yeah, that's a million. I mean, that's (laughs) 
that's a lot of boots on the ground right there. Yep. But, you now, know, it can be now, done. I, I mean, say, you guys have the connections to make it happen. I will say, you know, obviously in the middle of the 10-year initiative, you did have COVID that kind of shut things for a while. So that skews the average a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's lofty. Um, but but if anybody can do it and if anybody can help carry us to uh, to success, it's it's the, the people of the the, the most passionate people that you'll ever meet when it comes to to sharing sharing this lifestyle and doing it for the bird. Yeah. Uh, and y'all inked a new deal with the Forest Service, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like what does that entail? Um, so we actually uh, renewed a, a deal with the NRCS for the National Forestry Initiative, and that's to increase the scope and scale of the forestry initiative, which helps to bring on staffers and, and help with forestry work on private lands, which again, if, if you think about it, um, you know, Most of it's private. The, the, the majority, majority of the country is, is private. So if we're working to help uh, improve the habitat on private lands, then we're still helping the, the turkeys there as well. Uh, the yeah. deal with the um, with the U.S. Forest Service was a 20-year, $50 million agreement, and that was a master stewardship agreement primarily based in the West, but it does give us the ability to operate on Forest Service land across the country, and that's to help, uh, again, just increase the, the scale and scope of the work that's happening with everything from reduction of wildfire out West to you, you name it, um, and it's a one-of-a-kind agreement that really is helping to set the stage to help to help work happen at a much more rapid pace yeah well that's seems like a pretty good deal <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so but you know again it's we're we're at 50 years of of uh delivering on the mission um and we we want to continue for another 50 um but it's a time that we get to celebrate reflect on the past and also plan for the future and so that's that's what 2023 is going to be about it's um the the work the work's not done yet but we we do get a chance to celebrate and it's it's a so it's going to be an entire calendar year of celebration while also doing the great work and that celebration of the year will be capstoned next month at the convention i assume yes uh so it is the upcoming convention and sports show set for february 15th to the 19th again we're at the gaylord opryland um and this is one that uh that we're, we're really looking forward to again, celebrating our 50th anniversary. Um, this is, this is not just a celebration at that event, but that is a chance where we do really get to get, um, some of our, our most dedicated, passionate folks together there, uh, all under one roof. And we get a chance to, to help energize the base, share in, in their successes, present some awards and, uh, and again, really help set the stage for, what's coming up even right after that, which is turkey season. I mean, it's our favorite time of the year. Yeah, it's right on the horizon. And is there any anything special plan? I mean, obviously there's plenty planned, but is there anything special planned since it is the 50th, or is it going to be business as usual at the convention? So I think uh, we, we do have some new things this year, but I think what you're going to see is, is an overhauling, some of the same great events, uh, overhauling uh, the way that things are delivered. Um, and, and trying to really help, uh, really help highlight it being that golden anniversary. So there, there will be a golden theme to a lot of the things that happen while we're there. Um, but, but again, expect the sports show as usual, although this year, uh, we will be, I think last year we were at 300, uh, exhibitors. I think so far this year, we're north of 450 exhibitors. And we've also extended out into the, um, into the GoEx. It's an outdoor building 
um, but additional vendors in that space as well. So really, really throwing down for the 50th. There's more people wanting to be a part of it. Same great nightly events. Uh, and and then again, just more more celebration of the people that truly helped make this organization. Yeah, and then calling competition and everything will be held again this year? Yes, we will still have the calling competitions. Um, you know, we, we can't overlook those. Uh, I think we, we talk about those every year, but those are something where we, we don't only marvel at the abilities of these callers, but it's a chance to, especially for something like the, the senior finals, the Open, uh, which take place, I believe, on Friday. But it's a chance for us to – I'm sorry, on Saturday. But it's a chance for us to um, sit down and listen to the critiques of the judges. Um, and oh, yeah. those, still will be, those will be live streamed again. We're actually going to try to live stream those on both YouTube and Facebook this year. So we're excited about that. Um, but then you also have the youth calling competitions, uh, and those kids would probably put any of us to shame. Um, those those youth calling competitions are put on by our friends over there at Mossy Oak. They sponsor those, and you know I, I think it's th- those kids they, they deserve you know utmost respect at the ability to get up in front of a large crowd and start rapping away on box calls and or or calling on their pot calls and you know for some of them even at the the upper ages um, running running mouth calls better than I ever will. Yeah, and so is do you know if the Opry is it totally sold out already for rooms? I do believe it is sold out occasionally, though, if I guess if somebody is able to uh, get out of the reservation, something opens up. Um, so it never hurts to call them first. But we do have on our uh, website, uh, nwtf.org, you can follow the prompts to get you to convention. Uh, it's just a short scroll down on the front page. Here in a few weeks, it'll take over a majority of the top of even the home page. But uh, there are overflow hotels that do have shuttles. It'll run you to and from the Gaylord uh, on a daily basis. Um, but as of right now, there, there's a lot of support uh, from from people being behind this event. And uh, and people are eager to get back to Nashville. Uh, I mean, even last year, we, we were north of 50,000 folks, and that was coming on the tail of, of COVID. But this year, I think Enough time has passed that people people have have uh, have realized that you know it's this this is an event they want to get back to and then they also want to share in the 50th. So um, again, Gaylord Gaylord is uh, as of right now is full up, but it doesn't ever hurt to call them. Yeah. What are you said the usual nightly events? So tell us, give us the the quick overview on those and when they're Surely. held this year. Surely. So. You know, I, years past, we used to go downtown on Wednesday night for the early bird social. We brought that in-house, and instead we celebrate during our, our pub crawl now, and that takes place in the Gaylord's um, Pub District, which is Finley's Few Sports Bar and Jack Daniels. Uh, we have a great lineup being put together by the folks over at Country Outdoors. Nomad Outdoors, are, they're, they're also sponsoring this as well, but Larry Fleet, Craig Campbell, Michael Ray, I think there's a total of 16 acts uh, that'll be getting together guitar pole style, writer's round style over the course of that event. Um, but there's also a chance to, uh, to again, just share in that, that preliminary celebration. But things really do kick off uh, on Thursday for the kickoff party. And this is something that uh, we're taking it back to the 1970s. So for our kickoff party Thursday evening, we're going to be encouraging people to show up in 70s attire, um, and and really enjoy that that night. But again, not to be overlooked is the rendezvous session, which does give us some of the business the business proceedings of the convention and helps helps provide state of the wild turkey. I believe um, uh, Dr. Mike Chamberlain is going to be giving that as well. Again, uh, we'll also have a podcast covering just kind of the 
the the past 50 years and then also looking to the future of the NWTF held by our own Fred Bird. But the nightly events continue on Friday, and that's when we have our big, uh, it used to be called the just the awards ceremony. This year, in honor of the 50th, it's going to be our Golden uh, Awards Gala. And so we're looking forward to getting together, having some music, balloon drop, uh, and really celebrating the people uh, out in the field that, that make the NWTF the great organization that it is. Um, and then it wouldn't be a convention without the Grand National Dinner and Auction. That happens Saturday night. It's a chance to get your hands on some of the, the most one-of-a-kind hunts, vacations, um, you know, unique items that are that are put together uh, in honor of the 50th. Uh, and there are things that will be on live on silent auction. Uh, and then that entire night is going to be capped with a concert from uh, Country Music's Riley Green. So I think it's going to be a, a special night. Uh, again, we're really looking forward to it. But I mean, there's there's a lot of things to find out about, and we encourage people to get on over to nwtf.org and and see what they see what it is that piques their interest, um, and come join us for this celebration about the NWTF family flock and and the people that have made it possible for us to 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 be able to be here for for 50 years. Yeah, is the kids area back? So we've changed up things with the kids area this year. So we no longer have the family adventure village. Um, but with the help of Bass Pro Shops, Wonders of Wildlife Museum, and also the friends over there at Mossy Oak, we have put together what is called the Family Adventure Trail. So instead of it being one single area within uh, the convention floor where kids can mingle around and go see things, these uh, booths that are more educational-based, kid-friendly booths, they are now scattered out across the convention floor. And so this gives uh, an opportunity for for people to follow that trail through the convention floor and get a chance to experience all those different stops along the way. And for those people that do end up visiting all those places, um, there is the chance for them to earn special prizes. So it's it's a different way of looking at what was the Family Adventure Village, but again, kind of reimagined to to have it be to where families can all wander through the exhibit hall together and and end up all kind of sharing in and everything that happens down there. But we have, I think it's it's uh, right around 10 different vendors that are on the floor that, that will be providing, um, I guess, more immersive educational experiences at each of the booths instead of just providing products. Yeah, that's awesome. Still doing the call makers auction and all that stuff as yes. well? Okay. Yes, yeah, so, so we still will have the call makers. We still will have the taxidermy displays. Yeah. Last year, taxidermy displays were upstairs. We've moved that back down to the main show floor. Um, the call makers competition, that is now going to be located in the GOEC. And again, that's that outdoor building. But that's where where there will be seminars that take place for learning how to do some of the different things that, that those incredibly talented will do with their calls. Uh, I think you've got Bob Fulcher out there who's going to be putting on a seminar with somebody else. I do believe that... Um, Dave Constantine is going to be talking about techniques for uh, art, art, artistic carving, um, and, and the list goes on. Um, but the the call makers auction also will take place outdoors there in that uh, in that outdoor venue, which is that that Goek area. And, I, and there will be signing provided everywhere that people go. Uh, and then we also do have some of the seminars that people love. Uh, those also will be back. And these are are done in a little bit big, a uh, little bit different fashion than years before. We're trying to make sure that 
um, we've we've brought some of the the biggest best names to those seminars, and and it'll all kind of be highlighted by um, one of the ones that I think I'm I'm most eager to to go see is a special two hour long seminar put on by Cuz Strickland uh, and others that will help highlight 50 years of conservation successes. So just kind of a, a neat experience, but you still will have your opportunity to go see the Primos folks out there. Um, uh, Brett Collier and Mike Chamberlain, uh, I believe, are, are scheduled to, to host a seminar out there as well. I think uh, a fan favorite from last year was um, Alan Probst for North American Trapper. I think he's going to be yeah. back again. So lot, lots of great things. Um, we've tried to list everything that we can on the schedule on the website. Um, and again, there's there's still will probably be things that I forget to mention while we're chatting here today. Yeah, no, there's a lot to it. So that's totally understandable. Well, that's awesome. Well, man, I'm pumped up. You know, this is one of the things every year that that really gets me primed and ready for turkey season and, you know, going through that showroom floor and being able to run a bunch of turkey calls from a pile of different call makers and, you know, pick up some, some new gear because, you know, a lot of those exhibitors out there are going to have new products and, you know, there will be, I'm sure some, some new decoys or new guns or new camo just unveiled just for this show because it's such a big deal to the exhibitors and so man it's it's just you know there's a lot to take in and for those who miss it there's a lot to be missed so you know anyone who's listening to this that can get to nashville the weekend of the convention and sports show i would be surprised if you told me you were disappointed you know just to go and be immersed in wild turkeys for a weekend and be around i'm gonna guess you guys are gonna break 60 grand in attendance this year i'm gonna say 65 is gonna be the magic number in attendance so you know i'd i'd love to see i'd love to see it hit uh even higher than that obviously we we do have to deal with capacity um oh yeah you know but it's it's something that again as you mentioned it you know, every every spring spring is special in the minds of a turkey hunter, every single one of them. Um, but I think this year, leading into spring, with it being so many people tied to the to the the history of the NWTF and so many people, turkey hunting as a pastime is something that they enjoy to do. Getting out of spring, I think this is a special one when you look at everything that's being able to be accomplished at this point in time. So, come share in, in the festivities, come share in the the celebrations, come share in the camaraderie with people that will not ever get tired of hearing you talk about, you know, the different hunts that you had throughout the spring. This, this is a, if you are a turkey hunter, this is the place you want to be uh, this February. Yeah. And I would encourage any of you guys who are not listening, if you're not already members of the NWTF, absolutely. There's zero question about that to join. But even if you are members, if you're not going to be able to make the convention and sports show, consider making an additional donation, 50 bucks 100 bucks all that goes a long way to helping the helping the nwtf achieve their goals and i mean their goals help us as turkey hunters so go go do that and support the organization that helped to bring the wild turkey back and is going to continue moving that forward throughout the years to come so pete thank you yeah thank you pete not a problem. It's my again, my pleasure to be here. I look forward to this every single year as we kick things off. Again, it's always just good to be on with people who 
who enjoy the same things that I do. Heck yeah, yeah man. Absolutely love it. So good deal. Well, Cameron, do you have anything else for Pete before we cut him loose and let him get back to gambling? I mean, dinner. <laughs> man, I'm good. I, I appreciate you coming on. Always look forward to it every year and hope you have a fun trip at the SHOT Show and, and safe travels back. Thank you very much. And I'll be seeing y'all here shortly in Nashville. Sounds great. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Bye. All right, goodbye. You know, I always enjoy getting updates from any organization that's supporting the wild turkey. Yes, it, it is definitely a good thing. And that's that's one good thing about getting the magazines. You know, you can actually see the physical updates there because it's just not something that's going to pop up on Fox News, you know, or whatever. No, and then even the good stuff that they do, and it's not just the NWTF, but any organization that's doing something for conservation. Yeah. It's getting hidden by the algorithms in social media. That is true. So go to their websites. Yeah, or sign up for email newsletters. Bingo. That's one way to... Yep, that's another great way of doing it. And so... Get it straight from the source. Yeah. It, it really is important to know, hey, I'm I'm a member of X. I want to know where my money's going. What is my membership going to support or going towards? And so, you know... It's important that we know this stuff because, hey, if you're a member of an organization that's doing something you don't agree with, cancel the membership and don't join again. If you are watching a TV show that's supporting something or promoting something that you don't agree with, quit watching it. Yep, it's important things. Theater that's showing movies that don't support what you believe in, quit supporting them so that is that is true that is a that is a true fact and it you know this show is exciting and sad for me because i won't be at the nwtf this year but you will be there well i'll just say that whatever you would have consumed at the nwtf convention in nashville that's just more for me to consume how about that so bad (laughs) i'm going for the clean sweep of of conventionless year so (laughs) yeah yeah well that's it's again bad for you good for me and you know i i enjoyed all the talk about the things that the nwtf has going on you know and pete talking about their goals for the year and as i mentioned before we got into this show or the interview with pete you know i mentioned having goals and setting them to where yes they're achievable but you have to literally your rear end 24 7 365 to get those goals achieved yeah and they, they set some lofty ones this year for sure they with did the 50th year yeah and uh you know i have been to national forest land where at the entrance there was an NWTF sign. Absolutely. Showing they had done work in there. Yeah. So I've seen it, you know, and I hope that they, I hope they blow that million acres out of the water. I hope they double it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is yeah. a lofty goal. Yeah. That's a lot of acreage, but I, I hope they smoke it. I, I bet they will. They had record year last year, I think 700 and something thousand acres, you know, yeah. enhanced. And look, and so, you know, it, it takes people like me and you for them to be able to achieve that goal. It takes people like our listeners for them to be able to achieve that goal of 1 million acres. So if you're not involved in your state chapter, if you're not involved in your local chapter, man, there is nothing more fun than going and working in the woods and managing land. And if you don't have your own land to manage, go help manage some public ground. 
They won't turn you away, I promise. <laughs> they won't turn you away. Now, they may not Stop let you run around with a trash on the Stop picking up all the trash on our public land. We want that there. Yeah, yeah. No, they won't stop you from that. You know, <laughs> go run some traps. Trap some nest predators on some public ground within the law. Yeah. Speaking of which, I am six away from my goal of 200 predators. You have how many weeks? I need to do it in the next two weeks. I started ah. the first week of February. Piece so. of cake. Well, my traps are pulled right now. I'm going to hit them one more time and get my six, I think, last week of January. Oh, but, you're just playing with fire just to play with fire. I like it. I mean, it's going to go down. My sardine can in the back of the live trap is an opossum's worst nightmare. So. It is. I got three opossum's worst nightmares played out on my phone today. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 keep coming, and all males on that farm. I, I've only killed one female possum in the past month, and probably twelve to thirteen male possums. So hmm. they're definitely out looking for love. And sadly for them, all the gals who used to hang out on the farm that they used to rendezvous with have taken a long ride in the back of my truck. So there you go. They're searching, getting hungry while they're searching, and ending up in a little cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's how it's basically working very cool yeah yeah it's been good so i'm gonna well, get 200 for the year and then keep going i messaged the guy today trying to arrange basically a massive amount of trapping between me and all of my neighboring farms that we're friends with nice to get like a week in february where we just put out a mega trap line and kill everything nice and I'm hoping that's going to go through because, I mean, I can put out 50-some-odd traps. He's got a lot of traps. The other neighbor has a lot of traps. If we just hit them hard, you know, instead of just focusing on my 400 acres I'm trapping, we can we could hit thousands, thousands of acres. And that's yeah. a big, big deal. Yep, no doubt. Very so, cool. Well, do you have a yeah. favor of the week? Well, we'll go with favor of the week this week is check out the NWTF if you're not a member. You might go sign up, become a member if you want to join the National Wild Turkey Federation. Go join the Turkey Federation. Go join TFT. And if a third turkey-based organization comes out, join them. That's right. <laughs> and four, five, six, if somebody's helping turkeys, be a part of it. I mean, yes. that's the bottom line. Yes. And, you know, we're always telling you to join these organizations. We we like both of them. We think both are helping turkeys. You know, if you don't agree with everything one organization has, they're still helping turkeys in some regard. So go join them. If, go, go join them and tell them what you think should change. You know, I mean, if that's what you want to do, then do it. We put our money where our mouths are. We both so, are members of both organizations that yes. are supporting, both national organizations that are supporting wild turkeys. And so we encourage all of you to go and do the same. And, you know, all I'm going to say is if organization F puts forth one penny towards wild turkeys, that's a penny more than was there before they came around. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's go support That's these it. guys and and what they do. So absolutely. Yeah. Good favorite and of the week. Hopefully y'all see Andy at NWTF. I saw lots of posts and people praising how awesome the time at Unicoi was. I thought that was really cool. It seemed like more than usual. I saw several people and I had a couple who said they went solely because they heard about it on this podcast, you know, so Great it, turnout. We'll talk about some of that next week, but yeah, yeah, a lot of that yeah. going on. Looking forward to talking about that next week. 
Thanks, guys. God bless you all, and I'll let Andy wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.